Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. We're so glad that you're here. I'm excited. It's going to be a great day. And we actually have a beautiful fall day. It only took all of October to finally arrive. You never have those times when you need to get something done outside and like every opportunity you have, like the weather works against you. That has been my entire month of October. You know, I had to actually double check the promises of God that he was not actually going to flood the whole world again. Uh, luckily, the promise is still there. It's still in the Bible and we're all good. And, you know, then I realized today is, 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 is Halloween, right? But don't worry, we're only celebrating one ghost and that's the Holy Ghost. Yes, I know. I feel, I feel like I was really good. It was a good religious saying to say that, right? But, you know, the King James Version is still good for one day a year, right? The Holy Ghost instead of the Holy Spirit, it works out pretty well. It's going to be a great day because we get to celebrate baptisms. As Delanda said uh, in the intro, he said, you know, this is one of his favorites. This is one of my favorite things as well is to get to celebrate baptisms. And we're so thankful that we get to do that. And if you are here as a friend or family member and you don't normally attend here but you're here to support those, I just want to say a special thank you uh, for coming. And for those of you who, who are part of this but are still here to celebrate those and, and be alongside those, it is so important that we have people in our lives who come around us and surround us in those milestone moments of our, of our life and our faith journey with Jesus. And this baptism thing, it's, it's, it's such a cool thing, but, but what is it really? What are we celebrating when we celebrate baptism? This is something that we see all throughout the Bible. People say yes to Jesus, and then they dunk him under the water and they bring him back up. That's kind of a weird thing that we do, right, as Christians? But it's so cool to see what, what God is actually symbolizing in all of that. This idea that, that, that we get to celebrate this, this whole story of the Bible. See, God's story in the Bible is this redemption story. And so when we, when we look back through the Bible, we see a whole story that leads us up to this practice uh, of what baptism really, really means. That God is saying, I'm, I've been moving all throughout the story of the Bible, pointing us towards Jesus because he was reconnecting with his creation, reconnecting with us. He wanted to reconnect with what he intended for us in the very beginning. We were designed and made in his image to have direct connection and relationship with him. And then Jesus came on the scene. Finally, the answer was here. And we get to experience who Jesus is in our lives. And as we celebrate baptism, we're celebrating what Jesus has done in the lives of those who are participating today. See, we, we, we celebrate this because who Jesus is isn't just a good man. When he came, and we say, say yes to him, he came to, to actually set us free from something. See, we were under the bondage uh, of a very real enemy in Satan. But Jesus came and he said, you no longer have to live in bondage to the plans of the enemy who seeks to, to fill the whole world with guilt and shame and sin. And this act of baptism, this, this baptism which just means to be immersed, it's, it's more than just the water baptism that we see here. And this, this water baptism, it's purely a symbol of what God's already done in the lives of those who have said yes to him. So we, we just as Jesus was, was buried or was, was died on the cross, was buried in the grave and resurrected, we too with him, the Bible says, are, are buried and resurrected with him. And that's what we symbolize when we go down in the water, which symbolizes the grave. And we come back out again. And we don't just come back out again as wet people. No, we are wet people when we do that. 
we come out as brand new creations, restored to the image that he intended for us in the very beginning. And it's more even than just that. It goes even deeper than that because this baptism is a baptism into who God is. It's a baptism into his very spirit. And we're going to explore a little bit of that today. But I want to read actually a little bit what it says about baptism in Romans 6.4. We're going to go there now. You can read along in your Bible or uh, our phone or you can just watch or just read along on the screen if you want. It says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. You see that all that, that symbolism through baptism. We were buried with him unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, here's the challenge. There's still a very real enemy out there who also wants to immerse us into the things that he wants us to be immersed in. He still wants to disconnect us from who we've been made to be and pull us away from that connection with the Father that God fought so hard for, that Jesus came and gave his life for, for us to reconnect with. It's this distractions and divisions that he wants to bring us into that he wants us to be baptized into. But God has so much more that he wants to show us in what he immerses us into today. And we're going to explore a little bit of that. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you. I thank you that, that right now you're here. That when we gather in your presence, we're being immersed and baptized into your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you're here to connect with us, to show us what you have, to reveal your heart today. Amen. Now many of you may be here today and thinking, okay, I, I know Jesus. I've even been baptized. But sometimes I, I still kind of struggle. I still kind of feel like I'm working out how to actually live this out. And, and sometimes the, the things I don't want to do, they're still happening in my life. That's the problem of sin. See, when sin entered into the, into the world and into the human experience, it, it did something that, that began to divide us. So sin comes into the world and, and instead of being connected to God in direct relationship with him, suddenly sin is there dividing us, pulling us apart, creating a barrier between God and his creation. And see, when we let sin get a hold of any part of our life, it begins to build up, right? This weight of guilt and, and shame and, 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 and just all the things that come along with, with stepping away from who we were created to be, it begins to just weigh us down. And, uh, you know, a beautiful illustration of this is, as, as I was looking to, to, and, and researching some things for, for this message today, I came across this idea of, of ships in the water and barnacles that attach to ships. Now, how many of you know what a barnacle is, right? It's kind of a weird, funny word, right? Okay, so in, in, if, you, if you don't know, there's these, these ships, especially these big ocean-going ships that are constantly in the water. Well, they, these organisms called barnacles begin to attach to the bottom of the ship. And if you've ever seen that right along the water line and under the water, uh, I'm sure you probably have seen pictures of this. They, they just begin to attach and build up. And they can actually grow kind of thick and heavy. Well, what I discovered was that the Navy has spent millions of dollars researching barnacles. Now, my first reaction is, what in the world are they doing with our tax money researching barnacles? Is there nothing better that we can do? It's just, it's just something on the bottom of a ship. Well, here's why. What they found was that as these barnacles build up on the bottom of a ship, they can actually reduce the efficiency of that ship moving through the water by 60%. 
And what happens when it reduces that efficiency is it takes up to 40% more fuel just to move that ship through the water. It is a huge waste because it causes a huge drag on that ship. This is what sin does when it builds up in our life. It causes this, this weight that weighs us down. It begins to just uh, waste our time and our energy, and we're, we feel stuck. Now, for many of you, we've experienced what that feels like over the last few years. Guys, some of us are, are still stuck with some barnacles in our life. We're not moving with the efficiency that we have or that we've been designed to have. For some of us, we're still stuck living in the places of division and disruption that characterized a lot of the last few years. That is not who we are called to be. We are get to be a people of hope. We don't have to be weighed down with this distraction and division that wants to tear us apart with worry and fear and frustration and anger. See, this is a reminder that we live in a world that's at war. There's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and the darkness wants to throw barnacles at you all, all day. If he can slow you down, if he can distract you, if he can waste all of your time and energy, he just wants to take us out of the game. Now, what, what, are those, what are those barnacles? What can they look like in our life? Well, the first thing that happens is we get distracted. We get distracted by all these other things that are happening around us. Maybe we're looking for, for fulfillment in the love of others. When we're really supposed to be encountering the love of Jesus and finding fulfillment in him first. For some of us, you know, we've spent a lot of time online and we begin to pursue followers before learning to follow Jesus. See, when we do that, all of a sudden those followers begin to have more authority in our life than Jesus does. Sometimes we just, we're kind of feeling like weighed down with all the burdens we have. Life feels a little mundane. We just want an escape. And so we, we look for what's going to bring us pleasure. What's that next great experience that I can have when God really just wants you to experience his transformation and that's actually what's going to bring you fulfillment. For some of us, we're really driven. God's actually given you a really good drive to, to succeed. But when it gets all twisted up, suddenly we begin to, to overextend ourselves. And when we overextend ourselves, we find ourselves burnt out. When God's calling us to extend the miraculous by letting the Holy Spirit burn in us. We're not called to burn ourselves, we're called to burn the Holy Spirit. He's the fire that's called to live inside our life. And see, when all these distractions begin to happen, that's where the enemy swoops in. He says, hey, I'm going to divide you. Now I'm going to start to pull you apart. This is the enemy seeking to do that baptism thing, that immersion in a whole different kind of baptism because he loves to twist what God has for good into something that is evil and that works against us. So God designed baptism as this beautiful symbol of something good, so the enemy twists it up and says, here, I'm going to immerse you in something else. A false identity that separates us by politics and passions and race and country and sexuality. See, if we follow the news today, if you follow social media, whatever place you're getting your information from, you can begin to notice something, right? That it always is highlighting the things that make us different. And it tells us those differences, those should be the things that define you. 
Those are the things where you should be getting your identity from. But here's the problem. When our differences are driving our, our decisions and the ways that we look at the world and others, we can't help but begin to see others for what they are not. That is not who Jesus is. Jesus is always looking at us. He's telling you who you are. Our baptism candidates today, they had an encounter with Jesus and he told them who they are. The transformation they are experienced is this brand new identity that they are called to. But when our worldview only has a lens that sees our differences, we will always live in a world that is being pulled apart by divisions. We are baptized, when we baptize into that spirit of vision, we're living under a false identity. See, we have to understand this too because Jesus always has an answer, right? He has a solution for everything the enemy wants to try and throw at us. The enemy's not actually that creative. He just takes what God's already done and tries to twist it. We just have to go back to God's original design. What did God intend? As Christians, we're called to live in a brand new identity that was paid for by the grace of Jesus. And that identity is meant to be only under the rule and authority of Jesus. So that means there's a really serious problem anytime that anything else begins to have authority in our life that isn't Jesus. It becomes this potential access point for the enemy to swoop in, to grab, and to exploit in our lives. And what he does is he says, that old dead self, I'm going to try and resurrect it. That's where I had control, so that's what I'm going to try to bring back in your life. Now this can happen in, over lots of time and for lots of different reasons. It can happen in a moment, in small things. It can happen in a, a disagreement with Julie. When she's wrong yet again, and I cannot believe it. How could you disagree with me? I'm brilliant. I heard that. I need some more amens on that, guys. There it is. There, the guys are helping me out here. You're all going to be in the doghouse too, just along with me. See, when, when I let those things begin to stew in my life, I put a filter on. And suddenly all the good things about our relationship, the amazing things about what God has done as we live in covenant together in relationship, all that goes out the window. You drive me crazy. I can't believe you would do that to me. You're always this way. See, it begins to have authority over the ways that I think about that relationship. Now imagine that that happens for you as, as well, right? Maybe you're frustrated with, you know, a, a coworker, a family member, a student that you go to school with, maybe even somewhere here in this church. Can you believe that? We would actually have differences here in the church. I know, I mean, maybe just think hypothetically if you can't find any reasons that it happens. It does. See, but that, when that frustration begins to have authority over our thoughts and emotions about others, we, we fall into some, some bad habits, right? Because we're like, oh, I am so justified in thinking how bad they are. I'm going to bring some other people into this. They need to know. Well, I'm, I'm protecting them because that person's so clearly wrong. They could be a danger to them too. That's called gossip. We talked a little bit about that last week with Samuel. Gossip, it, it is, it's, it's an insidious thing. It's a monster that births a hundred babies. And I promise none of them are cute. Not a single one. And if we're Christians who are baptizing the people around us in gossip and slander, we're doing the work of the enemy for him. He's got us working on his side when we tear one another down. When we look at the differences instead of the things that bring us together. So how do we live in freedom? How do we actually keep ourselves from being entangled in all of this and immersed and caught up in this false baptism? In those snares of sin 
Well, let's look and see what the Bible says, right? Because Jesus already has an answer, right? Let's go back to, to what he says about who we're called to be. And we're going to read today from Romans 6, 11 through 14. And again, you can read along uh, on the screens or, or on your Bible. It says this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. There's some incredible statements in there. First of all, our first job is to die. Thank you, morbid pastor, for sharing that I'm supposed to. No. This is what the Bible says. You can just read it for yourself, right? See, right? It's that old dead self, right? See, we had to be rescued from that because that was, that was the false identity. That was not what God had designed us to be. And so we had to kill it off so that we could have this brand new identity. We had to die, and it needs to stay dead. You've heard it said from here, I, not, not just me, but sometimes we, we try to bring that back to life. It's kind of like putting makeup on a corpse, lipstick on a pig. It doesn't work. It's a false identity. There should be no part of us that's left to rule under sin. And when we let sin have any purchase and rule over any part uh, of our life, our mortal body, as it says, we've got a problem. It's like the barnacles on that ship. It's, it's suddenly it's getting stuck. It's getting stuck to the ways that I think. It's getting stuck to the ways that I see other people. It interferes with our connection to God. Those barnacles, that sin, it becomes this, this thing that drags on our life. It drains us of life and energy and strength. That's why we offer everything we have to Jesus. The symbolism of baptism that washes us clean as we come out, a brand new creation. It washes off all those barnacles. It's not actually the act of being in the water that does it. It's showing us what Jesus has already done for us. And we're celebrating that act that he's already done. By his grace, what we've experienced. So we get to do that. And then we get to live in the true identity as righteous sons and daughters. And it says, sin is no longer our master because we've been given the gift of grace. Grace means we didn't earn it. Grace means I can't go out and overextend myself to succeed at grace. Grace is from Jesus. It is a gift from him. And we live from that place moving forward. We do it with Jesus because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So he makes a way for us to be free because he is the truth that set us free from the enemy's, the enemy's lies. He made a way for us to have life and life eternal because we join with him in this act of rising from the grave. This is our union with Jesus and we get to live and step out into the destiny and life that he's called us to. And the even better news is that we actually get to do this with the, the other gift that he brings us, which is his Holy Spirit. Right? We talk about, about God as the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He actually said, I need to leave. He actually left, went back up to God to the throne and said, I need to leave because I have something even better for you, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is truly the secret sauce of the Christian life. Some of you have been confused that it is Chick-fil-A sauce that is the secret sauce of our life. And it is delicious. And I will give you that. 
but it is not what we're talking about today. It is the Holy Spirit and only through the empowerment of God's gift through his Holy Spirit that we can find unity. And after you do that, you're welcome to find some unity around God's chicken. And I'm okay with that. We'll give it that. We can do that. Not today, though. It's Sunday. Sorry. Now I've got you all hungry and thinking about food and you're ready to go. But I want to read a passage today that talks about this idea of what, what God is doing. And this is 1 Corinthians 12. And I want you to notice something here. Because see, when, and here it's going to talk about when the spirit of God moves, not the spirit of the world that we were talking about earlier. When the spirit of God moves, it moves in the opposite way of what the spirit of the world is. So you're going to notice here that when the spirit of God moves, he's calling us towards unity, towards oneness. In contrast to the way the enemy moves, which brings us to distraction and division amongst one another. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. See, we're all baptized into this one spirit, one body. It doesn't matter who we are, our race, our background, our socioeconomic status, our political beliefs. When we say yes to Jesus, we are baptized into his spirit, and his spirit is a spirit of unity. We are called to humble ourselves and say yes to his spirit of unity. Because the spirit of the world, it brings division and it brings distraction. It separates by creating virtues out of what makes us different instead of what brings us together. Now I want to clarify, when I talk about, about, about oneness, it doesn't mean sameness. See, the body of Christ is called to be a diverse body. It is said that we will be uh, one, uh, one from all tribes, all nations, all tongues, right? That's who God's called all of us together. But here's the thing. Our unity can only remain diverse and unified as long as Jesus stays in his rightful place as king. When our differences dethrone Jesus, those differences are no longer working towards unity. They're working for the wrong kingdom. Because it's about who we are, not who we are not. It's about what brings us together and not what tears us apart. What is the fruit in your life right now? Is the fruit of what you're doing in relationship and connection and posting, is it bringing unity? Or is it highlighting differences and divisions? Because I want to be a family that's known for its unity. For what brings us together, for what unifies us, for what connects us in one spirit and one body, not for the things that tear us apart. That's the, that's the job of the enemy. We don't want to do his job for him. Amen? Amen. So today when we see each of these people who are being baptized this morning, we're welcoming them into connection and unity with each one of us. And we celebrate their baptism because we celebrate the new life in Jesus that it represents. We are rejoicing that they no longer have to be entangled in the snares of the enemy that seek to steal and kill and destroy every good thing in their life. And I am so excited for you to hear the testimonies today. Today between these two services, I think we have 26 or 27 baptisms that are happening. And the, the, the testimonies that we already heard in our first service were, I mean, they, they'd bring you to tears. They are so, such amazing examples of the transforming work that God wants to do in our lives. So we want to stand with them. 
We want them to know they are connecting to a community of believers that is united around them, ready to stand with them when the attacks of the enemy come, and they will come. For those of you getting baptized today, just know, they will come, but you're not alone. None of us has to do this alone. We want to remind them of who they are, of the goodness of the God that they serve, who they've been made to be, and who God really is in their life. The baptism is part of Jesus' great commission to us. His, it was his marching orders for all believers before he, he went back up into heaven. He says we are to baptize the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You were called to stand in unity in one spirit under one God. So let's help one another be a people who are baptized together as we encounter love, experience transformation, and extend the miraculous. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. I thank you that you actually love to partner with us. And today we get to see the beautiful union of you with your children today. Baptized not just into new life, but into a unifying spirit. And God, we pray that each of those who's being baptized today and each of us who's celebrating with them, God, would experience a baptism of your Holy Spirit that shows us who we are and how we are united in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. All right, well, before we start worship, I actually want to invite all those who are being baptized today. Uh, if you're getting baptized in this service, if you would make your way right over here to where John is, you can begin to make your way up. Everybody, you can actually just stand up. In the baptism canons, you can stand up and make your way out. That will make it easier for everybody to get out. Because we're going to worship here uh, for a few, minute, few minutes. And so as they're getting ready and getting lined up, they're going to share some amazing testimonies. And we're going to come back up. We'll give you a few more instructions on what we're going to do next if you've not been to a baptism service before. But right now, we want to worship. And I want you to understand, when we worship Worship is another baptism. It is an immersion into the presence of God that invites us to partake in everything that he has for us. So I want you to just let God just soak you in his presence today as we worship. All right. Amen. Amen.